Welcome to another informative episode of the No Harm Health and Safety Podcast. Well, what happens is when we get a call, uh, we'll usually get it when someone dials 911. And what happens at that point, It uh, they'll usually request that they'll need an ambulance. The only problem is, is that they're actually on the lake. No Harm is the podcast for health and safety professionals like you. We're here to help you sharpen your professional skills and better understand emerging issues. Well, really, there was no searches. It was mostly just rescues, uh, casualty evacuation that the uh, houseboat service boats uh, did in private boats. And that uh, there was real, really no first aid, just throw them in the boat and, and get them back to uh, Sekimos and uh, you know, the greasy old uh, service boats and no uh, primary care at all. Uh. Sounds like a great topic. Let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the No Harm Health and Safety Podcast. I'm your host, Marvin Polis. This is a very special episode about volunteer first responders. It's springtime here in Canada, a time when families turn their attention to planning their summer vacations. Here in Western Canada, there's a place along the Trans-Canada Highway that's a very special vacation destination because of the vast lake system known as the Shushwaps. The town of Sycamus is at the center of all this, and it happens to be an extremely popular place for houseboats and all forms of water sports. But what happens when visitors experience unexpected health problems or accidents out on the lake? Who's there to help? In this episode that I originally recorded almost two years ago, you'll learn how a group of concerned citizens in the town couldn't just let a tenuous safety situation continue. They solicited donations to purchase a used rescue boat and created the first inland station of the Royal Canadian Marine Search and Rescue. They continue to volunteer and raise funds to make this part of Canada safer for you and your family. As we plan our summer vacations, I think it just makes sense to think about the debt of gratitude we owe to community volunteers such as these. Let's start the story by listening in on the conversation I had with one of the volunteers, Pat Gow, as he drove me to the dock in Sycamus. So Pat, where are we headed now? We're headed to the rescue base now where the rescue boat is situated on the dock. And how does this work? Well, what happens is when we get a call, uh, we'll usually get it when someone dials 911. And what happens at that point, it uh, they'll usually request that they'll need an ambulance. The only problem is, is that they're actually on the lake. And there is no, most of it, probably 75% of the lake on the Shushwap is only accessible by water and not by road. So what happens is it'll go to the BC Ambulance Dispatch and BC Ambulance then will request, send out a page to our rescue group here in Sycamuse. And at that time, we'll get a uh, conference call with our 26 members. And then our coordinator will get four members on our crew and we'll actually all drive like we're doing now, just drive down to the boat. And we're usually a response of about seven to 10 minutes from the time we get the call to the time we're down on the boat. And at, uh, at that time, we're usually in that process from when we get the phone call. The, the captain that is going to be uh, captaining the crew at that time will call BC Ambulance to get the specifics. So they will uh, call back the BC Ambulance dispatch. And then it's only at that point is when the crew will know what we're going to attend. And this crew, uh, very notably, they're all volunteers from the community, right? Yeah, all 26 of them from the Sycamore area. So most of them have, you know, full-time jobs. Uh, some of them are semi-retired. Some are retired. We have 
anywhere from 24 years old up to 70 years old in our crew, ranging from different various backgrounds. Uh, some retired professional drivers. Rob's a, a retired military. Uh, so, yeah, some guys are home builders. Some guys are, you know, plumbers. So it ranges from all, all aspects. Great. Well, let's, uh, let's go see the boat and let's go meet Rob. Okay. Marvin, this is, I'd like you to meet Rob Sutherland. He's our station leader with the Royal Canadian Marine Search and Rescue, Station 106. Nice to meet you, Rob. Hi, Marvin. How you doing? Good. That's a really long name. Uh, what do you guys do here? Uh, we're responsible for all the marine uh, search and rescues on Shushop and Mira Lake Systems. Historically, we've had about uh, anywhere 40 to 50 uh, calls a year. And um, we're sort of the only, we're the first inland marine rescue station in B.C., and uh, of the 46 stations, all the, all the other ones are down at the coast. So where are we walking to now? What are you going to show us? Uh, this is our uh, it's a 1976 uh, Lifetimer uh, converted crew boat. And uh, it's now our rescue boat. It was stationed uh, previously in down at Deep Cove and got transferred up here once we set up our station three years ago. Three years ago. Now prior to that, how was search and rescue handled here on, on these very, very large lakes? Well, really, there was no searches. It was mostly just rescues, uh, casualty evacuation that the uh, houseboat service boats uh, did in private boats and that. Uh, there was real, really no first aid, just throw them in the boat and, and get them back to uh, Sycamus and, uh, you know, the greasy old uh, service boats and no uh, primary care at all. So you're saying that prior to this uh, rescue service existing, if somebody had a heart attack, if somebody broke a leg, had a concussion, horrible things could happen. They, they really had a makeshift system of, of getting these people to safety? Uh, exactly. And, um, I mean, we got to say thank you to all the houseboat companies, their service boats. They, they were largely the ones that uh, went up to bring these people back. They had, I think, first aid at the very minimum, but uh, no, uh, no way to put splints on, no way to bandage, no way to do anything. It was a service boat that serviced the houseboats. Uh, Full of grease and oil and dirty and, uh, yeah, that was it. So tell me the story about how this organization got involved and understand that you're, you're actually a volunteer organization. Uh, yeah, we're all volunteers and all of our operational and training budgets is, is uh, from donations. Uh, local businesses, private donations, uh, we get some grants from BC Gaming, uh, the district, uh, we get grants. Yeah, the historically, uh, because it was such a need, there was a couple of primary guys, uh, Jerry Silva, Cliff Doherty from the CSRD and, and from the district here that um, seen the need and approached the Canadian Coast Guard Auxiliary, and, uh, which they were called then, and uh, requested a, uh, some kind of a station up here. And, and they responded by uh, yeah, setting up our station. And myself and Pat here were uh, both one of the first members, and uh, we've been going on steady since. Now tell me the story about how did you actually get this boat? Just by chance, Deep Cove was, uh, the station at Deep Cove was, was going to get a new boat, and they, uh, this was basically a surplus boat. Until we sort of proved ourselves, whether we were a viable unit or there was an actual, actual need, they wouldn't entertain any kind of new boat, so we got this boat. We, uh, once we got it up here, we did an extensive uh, sort of rebuild to it. We extended the cabin. Uh, that would accommodate a stretcher, a paint job. Yeah, we did a whole pile of interior work, and since then we've done other stuff, uh, added uh, night vision and sonar, and turned out to be a pretty good boat. It's just getting a little bit old, that's all. How did you fund all of that? We did get a couple of grants from initially from BC Gaming and the CSRD. Basically, we utilized that money to, to rebuild the boat. Uh, a few do- uh, donations for all of our training, 
from Twin Anchors uh, houseboats and waterway houseboats. So in short, you really depend on, on grants and corporate sponsorships, corporate donations, and, and donations from the community. Yeah. Do you think people really realize that? Uh, not really. We're just going through a process right now to start really advertising that, hey, we're a volunteer organization that needs donations to, for both operations and training. Our uh, president is actually taking it in hand to uh, approach a lot of these organizations to um, getting uh, donations for the future purchase of a, of a second boat. Uh, so the plan is to have a, the primary boat here, and this boat are uh, in, a, in a location such as Blind Bay, for example, that's a little bit closer to uh, that end of the lake where it can decrease the response time, uh, which presently is an hour and 30 minutes. Uh, so we want to decrease that response time uh, by placing this boat down there and a new boat uh, in Second Moose here where most of the rescues are from this uh, location. Well, this is amazing. And I think maybe some people have the impression that if somebody gets sick or injured or has a another kind of health problem like a heart attack out there in the middle of this this lake that uh, a big helicopter is going to swoop down on pontoons and airlift them out of here that's hollywood isn't it mostly yeah it's all guys like us that uh, jump in a boat and uh, get up there and, and uh, yeah do the first aid do the rescue and uh, uh, along with bc ambulance if we if it's a non-medical uh, uh, aid that we need to go to we always take uh, bc ambulance with us uh, but there is the option of uh, bc air, air ambulance and uh, if the guy's critically injured uh, and there's a landing zone nearby, we'll, we'll get in a helicopter. If there's no uh, landing zone available, there's also Vernon uh, Search and Rescue that has a helicopter as well that can do winch rescues, and we've tra- just finished training with them. Now, just to put things into perspective, how many kilometers or, or how many miles, as the case may be, of, of shoreline are there here at this lake? Uh, just over a 1,000 miles of shoreline on Shushwap Lake, and um, lots of little inlets, lots of little places. Uh, there's 370 cabins without road access up there. Uh, there's literally hundreds of houseboats in the, in the summertime daily out there that uh, each could have a capacity of 20 people. Uh, so you just add it up, it's in the hundreds of thousands of people. Uh, the CSRD uh, advertises there's 300,000 people here visit the shoe shop annually. Uh, so there's definitely a need for some kind of a, a first responder uh, in a marine search and rescue. And again, you're all volunteers. Why do you do this? That's a hard question. <laughs> it's a lot of work. I mean, it's almost like a second full-time job, but, uh, you know, you get satisfaction and, and you want to help people. I spent a lot of time in the Army, and uh, I've always done things for Canada, and now I want to do things for the community uh, now that I'm retired from the Army. So uh, as well as everybody else, we have 26 uh, members on average that... Uh, we all want to help out. Well said. You want to show me the boat now? Sure, yeah. Okay, yeah. great. Let's get aboard. So show me around. Normally this is crewed by four people. So, we, yeah, we're outfitted for right now for uh, high-speed navigation in restricted visibility. So uh, uh, we can get uh, from point A to point B just as if it was daylight. Just, just a huge percentage of your calls happen at night. And I imagine that would have been a, a big challenge the way things used to be done before your team and this boat existed on these lakes. Yeah, they didn't have any kind of night vision, any kind of radar whatsoever. So they were going up, um, you know, pretty slow and uh, obviously to, to avoid any kind of... Uh, uh, we get a lot of logs and debris on the lake uh, as the water rises from the river. Yeah, it's pretty hairy going up at nighttime. So if you don't know what you're doing, don't have the right equipment, it uh, can't be done, and, and safely anyways. And again, speaking of equipment here on this boat, uh, what are we looking at here? So this is the, uh, the area the casualties uh, sit. We've got a couple of different stretchers. Uh, down below here, we got all the first aid supplies, everything from uh, splints to bandages to pressure bandages to uh, nitrox to oxygen to you name it. We got it for it's basically outfitted just like an ambulance is. So, 
Uh, we got all the same stuff as the ambulance. Now, Rob, clearly your group has helped out countless people. I'm guessing you have some success stories. You want to share one with me? Yeah, we had one in particular um, during the off-season. Uh, they had rented a houseboat uh, family outing for the weekend, uh, husband, wife, and uh, kids, and a grandmother. One morning when they got up there, they found that the uh, grandmother was having a stroke. We probably responded within, I think, about 10 minutes that morning, and uh, we were on our way. And they, where they were was uh, three-quarter hours away from here. We got up there, and... Um, they started actually heading back toward us, and we, we met them in the lake. Yeah, we did first assessment and, and realized that, yes, she had a, she's definitely having a stroke. So we uh, got her in the stretcher and into the boat, and then back to, uh, back to Second Moose, where BC Ambulance took her to Salmon Arm Hospital. Uh, she's since survived and, um, and actually recovered pretty good, so that was really good. Fantastic. Thanks for showing me around, Rob. This always amazes me how people can come together in their community, volunteer their time, volunteer their money, and fill gaps like these that really need to be done. It's work that really needs to be done. Good on you. Mm, Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to the No Harm Health and Safety Podcast. Be sure to join us next time by subscribing to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. While you're there, please leave a review. It helps us with our ratings. And hey, be sure to tell your friends and colleagues who can benefit from our podcast. The No Harm Health and Safety Podcast is a production of Stimulant Strategies and Stimulant Media Productions. You can learn more about us at stimulant.ca. All the best, everyone, and stay safe.